type 1 athlete and researcher, Dr. Desi Zaharieva, diabetes plays a role in her life and her work. I'm Krista Lam, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, we'll talk to Dr. Zaharieva about her research and her role as an MMA fighter. Welcome. Thank you. So we are really happy to have you on the show today, and I think it's fantastic. An MMA fighter is, is a pretty impressive thing, as well as being a doctor. So can you tell us a little bit about your diabetes story? I can. So I was diagnosed at the age of seven, and um, the diagnosis story is always like a traumatic one, I think, for everyone, but especially for my family. Uh, we came from a small country in Eastern Europe. I was born in Sofia, Bulgaria, and then when my parents came here, they didn't really know the language. So I think on top of some of the challenges people have trying to understand doctor jargon, imagine being diagnosed with this disease when your parents already don't even understand really what these terms are being thrown around now in the hospital while I'm getting vials of blood taken to try and understand more about this disease. So it was a really, really difficult time for my family, and especially at the age of seven, I remember trying to translate all of these things that I don't really know what they mean. Um, and you're not gonna find a diabetes translator somewhere, or um, you know, Bulgarian translator in the hospital. So it was definitely a difficult time, um, but definitely had a lot of the typical symptoms of weight loss and drinking a lot of water, and it all kind of happened really fast. Yeah, and I can imagine when you're coming into that situation, you're seven, you're having to understand all of these new things. Your parents are trying to understand them. How were you able to find resources that were able to help you? How, how well did it go? Yeah, not really. I remember when we were like my family, I say when we were diagnosed, cause it was like for my <laughs> well, whole family, a, something. Yeah, family. We, we did it together. Um, my parents had to do a lot of reading. It was a lot of just trying to educate and, and read up on whatever we could find. And so uh, my parents did most of that. I was seven, I could only do so much reading and understanding, so yeah. Yeah, no, and that's it's amazing. And you are still very involved, obviously, in the diabetes community. Yeah. You are researching uh, diabetes and exercise, if I'm correct. I am. Yes. Yeah, and okay. so you work with Dr. Michael Riddell. I do. Yeah. Who's been on the podcast a few times? And what inspired you to move into that type of work? So I think uh, it all stemmed back to as an athlete and someone competing with diabetes, some of the challenges that I faced growing up. Um, you know, low blood sugars are our biggest barrier to exercise. Hypoglycemia is the biggest fear. You know, we don't want to be low when we're exercising or overnight. And unfortunately, like I have a little bit of a sad story, but I had a lot of hospitalizations when I was, you know, in that 16, 17, 18 years old age. And I was really trying to understand what was going on with my diabetes and a lot of it had to do with trying to cut weight for competition, compete at the highest level, follow a very strict diet, make weight. It was just a lot all at the same time and not knowing enough about exercise because there was nothing available at the time. We had some ideas but a lot of unknowns. So I thought that would be the best opportunity for me to jump into research about exercise and diabetes and try to help other people because I know that I'm not the only one going through this. Everybody with diabetes is trying to exercise and make this work for them. So that was kind of where it was a personal passion that kind of stemmed from, you know, now taking it out to the real world and trying to research and help other people. And you bring up some really interesting points because I think when people think of mixed martial arts, um, you know, you think of the UFC and you think of this kind of stuff and you see these guys, you know, trying to cut weight and, and ice baths yeah, and all yeah, of these yeah. things that they're doing to try and make sure that they're the correct weight. And when you're living with type 1 diabetes, that would be incredibly challenging. So what have you learned since then 
So you had some pretty rough challenges. Yeah, and I've had a lot of things where, you know, the hospitalizations for me, they didn't happen just because I wasn't taking care of myself properly. A lot of it happened with, you know, post-exercise hypoglycemia. Overnight, we'd go to sleep and our blood sugars go low. I just didn't know enough about that. And sometimes there's a problem with this scientific literature. It's not getting out to the general public and to be the people that need to hear it. So anyways, that was just a little side note of some of the struggles that, you know, direct directly affected me, but I needed to figure out how to get this out to like more people to be able to help them. But um, managing my diabetes with exercise, it's been a struggle. Like still, I'm not perfect at it. My blood sugar is not 5.5 all the time. But one thing that I have learned is wearing technology is my saving grace. I've been able to use CGM, I can wear an insulin pump. The adjustments that I can make now are a lot more fine-tuned. And I couldn't make these adjustments when I was on injections. A lot of the adjustments you make have to be so pre-planned. They still have to be pre-planned with a pump, but to be able to track and follow my blood sugars and get alerts and alarms and to have my insulin pump shut off when I'm sleeping, if my blood sugar goes low, these are all things that I could only dream of as a kid, you know? So that was one of the biggest things. And I would think that, you know, wearable technology, people who are doing um, exercise, if they're competing in um, mixed martial arts or other active sports, how is it wearing, your, do you wear your pump when you do that? Do you wear your CGM? Do you not? Do you make a choice? How do you make the decision? Great question. So. Unfortunately, I can't wear my insulin pump when I train, and that's one of the biggest struggles, I think, because now we know all of a sudden I have to take my pump off. And without insulin for you know a long period of time, now we have these issues of rebound hyperglycemia. And this is something I still struggle with, but have gotten a lot better with managing. So the issue is, as your doctor usually says, don't take it off for more than an hour. Well, my training sessions are sometimes two hours, sometimes three hours. and. I reconnect my pump usually sometime near the end of training or right at the end of training and I have to take a small dose of insulin to try and correct for that amount of insulin that I missed, at least 50% of that um, to try and you know get some of that insulin into my body sooner rather than later. The struggles are the action of insulin is so slow still. You know, we, we talk about all these fast insulins and none of them are really as fast as they should be, you know, or could be. Um, that would be the best thing I think for myself and for all people living with diabetes is if we can get that insulin into the circulation faster, we know that's the biggest struggle. Um, it would just make it a lot easier to kind of manage our condition. And one of the things that you talk about in terms of making the decision about like taking your pump off and, and what kind of, you know, what you're gonna do in terms of your insulin is in talking to Dr. Riddell, he's spoken how, about how it can be the stress that also factors in. Yeah. It, and I can't imagine anything more stressful than an MMA fight yeah. uh, when you're going in there and all of those other things. So what do you do practically in your, uh, in your competitions to get ready? How do you think about it? Well, actually, one of the biggest things is I do a lot of visualization. And so we do a lot of just trying to stay calm in a lot of these stressful situations. It's not ideal because sometimes you can't control the amount of stress that you have. But if you're better able to control it than maybe the average person, I'm hoping not to see as many glucose excursions as someone who hasn't been able to practice staying calm in these, you know, really, really stressful environments. The more that you compete and the more that you, you know, bring yourself out into these really stressful environments, more you compete, um, you get experience with what it feels like. Uh, one thing that has really helped me is just wearing my insulin pump as close as I can to fight time. So um, that being said, if I need to, um, if I need to take it off because I'm trending lower, then I will. But a lot of the times I'll try to take my pump off just before I step into the ring because I know if I can get that insulin into my body, you know, making sure that my glucose is in control. Um, if I can reduce my insulin ahead of time, I definitely am going to do that. But now the effect of stress is causing my blood sugar 
sugars to go up. So I don't want to be taking my pump off way too early. So that's one of the biggest things is trying to kind of keep, keep an eye on it. But having continuous glucose monitoring has made it that much easier. And I think it's really, really great to be talking to you because I think a lot of people, when they think about, oh, you live with type 1 diabetes, maybe you can't do a sport like MMA. Yeah. And I think that talking to people who actually are doing those things because you don't want to discourage people from doing whatever it is that they want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is really fabulous. And have you found that that's something that you really enjoy, getting to tell younger people or other people with type 1 that, hey, you can do this? This is like literally my biggest passion is not to, I don't do this for myself and you know, being selfish, I just want my blood sugars to be perfect and know everything I can. My biggest passion is to be able to take everything that I've learned through trial and error and through research to be able to share with other people that it hasn't stopped me. There's many moments where I felt like giving up, but in diabetes, you don't have a choice. You have to kind of, you want to try and figure it out and make it better. And this is what I want to do is help other people kind of realize their potential. I work with a lot of groups to try and help support, you know, physical activity and push kids and adults to do things that they never thought they could do. Um, and so that's definitely why I do it is to try and help other people. And I, I think that's so important and, and so fabulous. And, and in the research that you do, I mean, you're in the lab, but you're also able to go out into the world now that people have CGM and you can monitor them, you know, outside of the lab. What are you looking for in your sort of latest research? What are the th things that you are excited about in the research you're doing? So again, it kind of stems back to um, insulin action and how slow insulin is to get in and out of the circulation. We know it's one of the biggest struggles with diabetes. Um, for example, if we ate a really high carb meal, we want to take our insulin at the start of that meal and have it working right away. But now we know all about this pre-bolusing and taking our insulin early because it takes a while until it gets into the body. So my idea was around exercise and Dr. Adal and I had both talked about potentially trying to understand more when do we need to reduce our insulin with the pump before exercise. So not in a game situation where maybe we're having a lot of stress and blood sugars go up, but if you're going out to do an aerobic bout of exercise, especially something more prolonged, so more than an hour in duration or at least you know 45 minutes to an hour if not longer, we wanted to try and reduce insulin earlier than what the guidelines suggest. Around 60 minutes is what guidelines will say. Uh, we reduce insulin 90 minutes before exercise, and we wanted to see if it would be able to better protect against, you know, the drop in glycemia than suspending the pump at exercise start. Because in reality, people say, well, why do you stop the pump when you start exercising? If you're not pre-planning your exercise, you don't really have a choice. You're going to take your pump off when you start to exercise. So we compared these different conditions with a more aggressive basal reduction and a more moderate reduction. And we were able to attenuate the drop in blood sugars when we reduced it 90 minutes before exercise. So that was kind of like my biggest finding recently. And again, it's not to say that this is what everyone needs to do, but it's kind of opening the eyes of everybody that's working on artificial pancreas design as well and closed loop systems because um, we can see that these adjustments still need to be pre-planned. So maybe these adjustments now with these closed loop systems need to take that into consideration as well. You know, there's still a lot of struggles around exercise and trying to prevent those low blood sugars, so. Absolutely, and I think that that type of research is really, really informative because we are looking at, you know, what is the future? And if everybody has their own very specific um, fluctuations, that they're dealing with different stresses, they're dealing with different things, we need to understand what causes and what's happening. So I think that that research is, is amazing. Thanks, it's definitely one of the most important things to touch on too that we are not able to do this research and kind of set out a blanket statement for everyone in the world with type 1 diabetes. 
there needs to be more research. I'm not saying that what I am publishing and what I release is the be all and end all and what everyone must do, but it's kind of raising awareness. If this is gonna help most people that are exercising with type one diabetes, then I've accomplished what I set out to do. But we need to understand that there's a lot of individual variability with diabetes. So more research needs to be done, more support is needed for us, and that's why we do what we do. That's amazing. And are you planning to continue to compete long term? I definitely am. Right now I've had to put it on hold a little bit, but um, I'm still training every day and then definitely um, in the new year I'm hoping to be back to fighting yeah, and competing. Oh, yeah. That's so amazing. And so I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think we learned a lot and this was a lot of fun, so thank you. Thank you so much. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can reach Diabetes Canada at info at diabetes.ca. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and that's all at Diabetes Canada. And if you liked today's show and you want to subscribe, we'd love that. We are available on iTunes and Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.